Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good. My name is Sean. I want to welcome you and uh, thank you so much uh, for being here and being a part of things. Um, Pastor Will is obviously not here this week. It's actually his birthday. And if you want to remember his birthday, he celebrates it on Cinco de Mayo. So it's a pretty easy way to remember it. So I don't know what he was doing on that. Maybe he was having a cerveza. I don't. Probably not. We're not going to start that rumor. We're not starting that rumor. I know for certain he was not. But if y'all want to start it, go right ahead. No. No, it is his birthday, and so he, he's not, he wasn't here right now. And, but man, I just want to, I just want to appreciate you guys so much. I, um, each of us as communicators, uh, we have our own kind of little rituals before we get up, and I always come and enjoy worshiping with you guys. I just love worshiping. And so really thank you guys, because your worshiping um, really fed me, uh, and hearing you guys sing, and, um, and so that was really good. We're going to end this service uh, with a special song that I think hopefully will be a blessing to you guys. And so um, stick around after I pray because we're going to have one more song. The band's going to come out and lead us in that. And if you're here today and you are sweating like a pig, I'm sorry. We had two units of the three that are not working right now. So we're going old school with fans. Back in the old days, like your great-grandmothers used to do when they came to church in Texas. And so um, hopefully it's worth it. But if it gets a little hot up there in the auditorium because I am full of hot air, just come on down. There's a few more seats still down here that you can get involved in. I have a good friend of mine who um, shared with me when I was younger uh, about how to um, engage with your kids uh, so that they feel um, connected. And he said, hey, just invite them to do the things that they love doing. Duh! Seems so simple. For his daughter, it was snow skiing. She loved to go snow skiing. And so every year he planned a trip for them to go snow skiing as a family. And they did. And it was incredible. They had these incredible memories. And even when she became older and had moved out of the house and was an adult, every time he planned a trip and invited her to come along, she said yes, especially if he paid. <laughs> but young, one year as she is planning the trip, as, as they're preparing for it, he's planning for it. He calls her up and says, hey, I want to go on this time. And she says, dad, mm. I'm sorry, but this year, it's just not going to work out. There's just too much going on at work. There's just no way I can break away and, and go on that. I mean, he was heartbroken. He totally understood, but he was heartbroken. But here's the deal. When we put a request out there, we don't really know how somebody's going to respond, no matter how well we know them, no matter how good the request is, until they move towards us. Until they make a move to respond to our request, we just don't know. When your kids were younger, you would request a lot of things of them, and they would just get up and do it. And then they turned into teenagers. And that same request started World War III in your house. Your friends, you thought, man, we, they're all, we're always going to be up for an adventure. They love adventure. I love adventure. But it's getting harder and harder for them to load up and go these days. Your spouse, you thought you guys wanted the same things out of life. But man, you're starting to question she just doesn't seem to want the same things that you thought you both wanted. Now, this can be really frustrating. And so, to make sure that we get what we want, we've learned a couple of tricks, a couple of tools that we use 
to help move things in our direction, to help make sure that the yes comes to our response. We've learned that if we want people to help us out, we better help them out. So we're really helpful. And so hopefully they'll say yes whenever we need help. Or maybe we go the other direction. Maybe people aren't responding the way we want, so we just create drama. And so they have to come to figure out what the drama is about and help rescue in the drama. Or maybe we go radio silent. Maybe we get really silent so people have to come and find us. All of these tactics, all of them are used for one real, to help us control the situation, to help us control to get what we want. But here's the problem. Nobody, not you, not me, none of us like to be controlled. We hate it. Think about the relationships you have. The ones that are the healthiest, the ones that you enjoy being around the, much, the most, do you feel controlled in them or do you feel trusted in them? It's simple. It's trusted. So if we don't like being controlled, why do we use these tactics on others? It's one simple word, fear. Fear. We feel fear when we can't trust what we love. So we destroy love by seeking control. We've seen this over and over and over again. It's a story as old as time. Parents love their kids, so they become really protective of them. Matter of fact, they just kind of lock them down. They become so protective of them that the kids really don't have a life. They're so controlled. And when they turn 18, they're gone. Boyfriend gets really jealous, gets really insecure, starts acting more controlling to his girlfriend. He squeezes the relationship down so tight that the girlfriend finally has to go, I, I got to get out of this. There's just no way I can stay in this. You've got a manager who's a micromanager and she struggles to keep really great employees because of her management style. It happens over and over again. And here's the deal. In every story, go read it. Look for it. It doesn't matter. The evil one in the story is the one who's trying to control the outcomes. The one who's trying to control people and events. That's the evil one in the story. But here's the problem. Some of us think God is trying to control our relationship with him. And so since we feel controlled, we feel trapped because that's what control does. And when we feel trapped, we look to escape. We look to avoid. And that's where some of us are right now in our relationship. Even if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, if you start feeling controlled, if you start believing his rules are to control you, then you start avoiding. Some of you are here today and you wouldn't call yourself a believer and it's because of this reason right here. You feel like God is going to try and control your life and that scares you to death. And I totally get that. So here's the question I want us to wrestle with. Here's the big idea that I want us to wrestle with today. Does God love through trust or control? Does God love us through trust or control? To give into this and to, and to find an answer to this question, we're going to look at his relationship with one individual, one man. That man 
is, is Abraham. And you can find the story we're going to talk about in Genesis 22. If you want to, if you have your phone on your, I mean, an app on your phone, you can turn there or you can pull out your Bible if you have one. But in this story, you're going to find the story of Abraham and Isaac. And this is one of the most shocking stories that we find in Scripture. Because what God asked him to do goes against everything that we know about God. Because in this story, God's going to ask Abraham to sacrifice his son. That's even hard for me to say up here. But that's what happens in the story. You see, this is the ultimate moment in the relationship of Abraham's life with Isaac. This is in the Lord of the Rings, Bilbo Baggins throwing the ring into the river of fire. In Star Wars, this is Luke Skywalker closing his eyes to take the shot to destroy the Death Star. This is the epic moment. It all comes down to this. So how did we get here? About 40 years before this, Abraham was 75 years old. And God came to him and he said, hey, come on a trip with me. And I want you to leave your friends, your family, everything that you know, your country of origin, your home, and I want you to just trust me and let's go. How many of you be signing up for that trip? Abraham goes. Why? Because God employs the same tactic that my buddy employed. You see, Abraham and Sarah, his wife, were 75 years old. She was a little younger. But they didn't have a kid. And Abraham had no one to give all of his life work to. He had no one to carry on his name. Sarah was ashamed and embarrassed because she wasn't able to have a child. And this is something they had prayed for and wanted. At this time, they didn't even know God. They were praying to pagan gods for this. God steps on the scene. He says, hey, let's take a journey to your dreams. Abraham packs up and he goes. But here's the deal. God doesn't fulfill this dream for 25 years. It's not until Abraham becomes 100 that Abraham gets the fulfillment of this dream. And for those 25 years, God is walking with Abraham. God is trusting Abraham. God is blessing Abraham. God is rescuing Abraham. Because Abraham doesn't always trust God these 25 years. One time, Sarah comes up with this idea. She just gets impatient. She gets tired of waiting. How many of you have ever been tired of waiting on God? So Sarah comes up with this idea. She says, hey, Abraham, I've got this servant girl over here. What if you have a child with her and we'll kind of adopt the child and that way we'll have a child? Abraham, being the bright and intelligent guy that he is, says, Okay. How dumb is that? If your wife ever asked you that, gentlemen, even if God's not involved, say no. This is a trap. This was not God's plan, but Abraham goes ahead with it, and he has a child with this woman. God never wanted this. God never told him of this. And you would think God would pack up his bags and leave. 
That's not what he does. He doubles down. He doubles down telling Abraham, hey, you messed up, but my plan is still in play. I still trust you can do this. Trust me. And so God gives him what he wants. God gives him what he wants. Here's the story where, how it begins. God said to Abraham, go from this country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Isaac is this blessing. He is the fulfillment. And to get to this point, we see this incredible story arch that Abraham has. He starts out going after his dream, and in 25, almost 40 years later, he comes to a place where he completely trusts God in ways none of us can even imagine. So once he has the child, Sarah gets upset because now she has a child, and this servant's child is getting in the way of her child. And so she sends the servant and the son away. She banishes on them. And this infuriates Abraham. But God comes back and shows Abraham, what I told you is still true. Here's what he says to him. Listen to what Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Now, God just doesn't leave the servant and her child out there to wander. No, he blesses them. Matter of fact, the son becomes a great warrior and becomes a king. God takes care of them. But this gets us to the story I want us to focus on today. The story of how we get to the place in Genesis 22 where God asks what he asks. Because see, Abraham is about to get tested. He's about to get tested and see how much he really believes God is good. How much he really believes God can be trusted. If he can believe that even if things don't turn out the way he planned for them to and wants them to, it's still going to be okay. It says this. Genesis 22, 1 and 2. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he said. He replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to a region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Can you imagine? That's your conversation with God? And what does Abraham do? He gets up the next morning, he gets his son, and he heads out. He heads out. As a father, it, it just boggles my mind. But you see, the time hasn't been wasted on Abraham. Because nothing God is offering him in the beginning is God offering him now. 
There is no, hey, come journey with me to your dreams. There's nothing Abraham wants at the top of this mountain. But Abraham goes anyway. Because he's come to a place where he trusts. He's come to a place where his faith is so great in the God he's come to know that he moves out. I love how the Hebrew writer says it. Hebrews 11, 17 through 18, by faith Abraham went to test himself, offering Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. So because of a promise God had made to Abraham, and because Abraham had learned through his son being born that God keeps his promises, he steps out on a journey, the hardest journey of his life. I can only imagine that the three-day journey, he is in deep, deep prayer. He's the only one who knows what's about to happen on top of this mountain. And I'm sure he's bargaining, he's pleading, he's asking God, Please, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord. And every step is just, it's, it's just a battle to make as he moves closer and closer to the mountain. And I'm sure as he's taking this journey, he thought, okay, this is the step where God says, okay, you've proved it, you've passed the test. But he gets to the base of the mountain and God hadn't stopped him. You know, there's only one place to go goes on to say this. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'm more impressed with Abraham's faith or Isaac's faith. But no matter what, we get to where Abraham lays his son on the altar. But how far would Abraham go? How many of us have had something that has been eating us up, something that we've been struggling with, something that we want, something desire that we have, and we're like, okay, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm laying it at your feet. And as soon as we lay it down, we turn around, and it's back in our hands. I'm not going to worry about this anymore, have anxiety about this anymore. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? We've all done it. We've all been there. Because it's one thing to put what we love on the altar. It's an entirely different thing to leave it there. So God waited. And God wondered. Could Abraham do it? Could Abraham trust him? Would this be the moment that God had prepared for? A moment so big and so power, a moment that required a test this big because all of Abraham's descendants that would come after him would look to this moment and say, God can be trusted. Could Abraham do it? 
It's a moment that we, as believers, even to this day, look at this moment and we learn something about God. Because none of us can imagine the faith that Abraham had to, had to do this. And God came through. So God waited to see. But all the time pouring into the relationship. All the time trusting that Abraham was the one. Would it pay off? You see, God's plan for us all along starts right here. Amen. <laughs> it starts right here. See, his plan is this. If, if I build a relationship with them on trust and not control, will they come to trust me? Will they come to freely choose me? Because here's the deal. It's always been his plan, and it didn't work with Adam and Eve. It didn't work with their descendants. God was always loving through trust. And they never could trust him. So would Abraham be the beginning? Would he be the start of this whole plan kicking off? He waited to see. Sean, you're wrong on this. I mean, the cards are stacked. God knew. God is all-powerful. He is. And him waiting to see takes no power away from him. But he gives us this thing called choice. We get to choose, are we going to trust him? He will not force us to trust him. Because he knows a relationship built on control will only lead to someone running. And God does not want us to run from him. He wants us to choose him. So all of heaven waited to see what Abraham would do with God's trust. This is what happens. Then he reached out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. I know now that your fear of God, that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now I know. This is the talk that wrestles with this statement. I've been wrestling with this statement for years. Ever since I've read this story, I've thought, what did God know? I mean, how can an all-knowing God, what did he learn in this moment? What did he not know? What does it say about God's power? What does it say about who he is? What can we learn from this? powerful phrase. We have to look in this, what's being tested? What is it that is being tested? God trusts in his creation. 
God trusting his creation allows his creation to trust and love him. That's the test. That's the test that Abraham is taking for all of us. God, leading through trust, loving through trust, will create in us a trust in him and a love in him that is so pure and so true, it is everything that God wanted. So did God not know? I used to go rock climbing when I was younger. And in those days, I um, had all kinds of equipment. I had shoes and harness and ropes and, and carabiners and cams and, and you name it. And I also had a, a group of individuals who were just as dedicated to me coming home as I was to them coming home. And so one day I'm up on a, a cliff face. I'm about 40 feet up in the air and I'm about to clip into a piece of protection. You take the rope and you kind of put it through this protection. That way if you fall, you don't fall that far. And right as I'm getting ready to clip in, I slip and I fall 15 feet and the rope catches and I'm hanging there and I start laughing and I look down and the guy who's holding the other end of that rope, he is not laughing. His eyes are about that big. Here's why I'm laughing. I'd profess to my parents, to my friends, that I knew what I was doing, that my equipment was solid, that my safety plan was solid. And after taking that fall, after all my equipment was tested, after all my procedures were tested, now I knew. Now my friends knew. Now my parents, who hated that I rock climbed, knew. You see, God can give us choice and never mess up his plan. It's complicated for our little brains to understand. I, I get it. I've wrestled with this. But God can freely give us choice and not lose any bit of his power. Because a belief is only an idea until it's tested. This plan that God had to love us with trust first had to eventually pass a test for him to be able to laugh and say, I always knew it would. And now the world knows it does. And now Abraham's descendants know it does. And now we can know it does. But what do these three words teach us about God? Because whenever we read this, we think the heroes of the stories are Abraham and Isaac, and they're pretty, they're pretty cool. But every story in Scripture is not about the, the characters that we read about. It is about an opportunity for God to reveal himself about truths about him. So what do these three words teach us? God's character. I mean, God trusts us with his story. You ever thought about that? He has a story for each and every one of us. He knows each and every one of us intimately. And he has a story for our life. A plan he wants us to be able to experience and to enjoy. It's going to have ups and downs. It's going to be a thrilling life. But you know what he does? He gives us the pen. And he says, you're going to read, you're going to write my story with you or are you going to write your own? 
God trusts us. But it's hard for us to believe that God trusts us because we put what we do and we put it onto God. It's kind of like the guilty dog barking first. We think because we try and control people to get outcomes, God tries to control us to get outcomes. Oh, my life is so terrible. I'm going to get back in church and then God's going to take care of all this. Well, if I follow all of God's rules, he will have to bless me. God will never let anything bad happen to me or my family because we're good people. How many of us have said those statements? Every single one of us. They're controlling statements. If I do A, God has to do B. That's not how God works. God says, I want to trust you. I'm going to let you choose whether you come along and have the life I have written for you or if you're going to try and write your own life. God also speaks to us in our mature, to our mature self. You see, God knows we have two sides. There's the immature, impatient side that we're just ashamed of, but we live in it a lot. And there's a mature side, the giving side. God always speaks to our mature self. Listen to his words to Abraham. Come and follow me. There's no begging. Come and follow me. Abraham, get your son. Come sacrifice him. He speaks to Abraham's higher self. Jesus speaking to the woman caught in adultery. Sin no more. I believe in you. Sin no more. Jesus to Peter after he betrayed him. Feed my sheep. God sees us in our best self, and that's who he talks to. And so many of us struggle to hear God's voice because we're listening with immature ears, and he's speaking to our mature self. God will not talk down to you because he believes in you that much, and he knows you're a prince and a princess in his kingdom, and that's how you will be addressed. God also doesn't want our dreams. He wants to prove our trust. For many of us, we're so scared that God's going to take away our dreams. If we really start following him, if we really give in deep with him, he's going to take away it all. He's going to make us have a terrible life. You really think that's what God wants to do? When did God start trusting you with your life? From the beginning. He gave you the keys to his most incredible creation and said, hey, take it for a test drive. Let's see what you can do with this. So once you start following him, why would he then all of a sudden go to control? Trust creates love. Control kills love. He doesn't want to kill our love for him. So why would he take away your dreams? But he will test. He will test to see where you are in your walk with him. How far you really do believe. Because I'm going to tell you right now, every single one of us who's a believer, all of us would say, oh, I trust God completely. 
I trust God 100%. Okay. You trust him with your kids? What if your kids go on a mission trip? And on that mission trip, there's thieves, there's robbers, there's a chance for them to get kidnapped. But there's also a chance for them to have an incredible experience with God. An experience they can't get anywhere else. You gonna trust them? You gonna let them go? It's not so easy now. When are we going to really give our kids over to God and stop believing that we are their messiahs? We're the ones that are gonna take care of them. We're the ones responsible for their relationship with him. When are we gonna really trust? How about your finances? How many of you really believe God's can control your finances? Do you trust him? This is where it gets hard. These are the tests that God gives us. These are the wrestling that God does with us. He doesn't give us easy tests because that doesn't test anything. He comes after our heart. He says, is it going to pay off? Will you trust me? So what's the answer to our big question? Does God love through trust or control? I think Abraham would have a big trust. I think he would scream from the rooftops, trust. So God's on that mountain. And he's wondering, will the time and effort he's put into the relationship pay off? Will the one he love trust him enough to lay the thing they hold on to dearly at his feet and leave it there? God is wondering what you're going to do. Are you going to trust him? Are you going to run? I'm believing because God believes you're going to trust him. Everything he has done has led up to this moment because he trusts you can make the call. He believes that his trust and his love in you is going to take you to a place where you love and trust him, even though it's hard, even though it's painful. I believe. I believe in each and every one of us that we can do it. And there's something incredible on the other side of it. Any of you who've wrestled with God about something and you've laid it at his feet and walked away, you know that maybe you didn't get what you want or what you hoped for, but what you did get was a greater appreciation, a more incredible appreciation about how good God is and how much he loves you. And it's no different from Abraham. I love the last part of the story. An angel of the Lord called out to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, you, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities and their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. We are the answer to God's blessing. 
All nations have been blessed through Abraham's descendant of Jesus. We are what God is talking about in this. God has so much in store for us. He just wants us to trust him. He just wants us to step up and take the journey he has planned for us. A journey that is so much bigger and so much grander than we can ever imagine. So God's trusted you with your life. Have you trusted him with it as well? I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to have one more song. And like I said, I hope that it's really a blessing to you guys. And if you want to sing along, I encourage you to do it because we're going to sing a blessing over you and I'd love for you to sing a blessing over for everyone in here. But will you bow your heads with me and pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for loving us, for trusting us, Lord, and for believing that you don't have to control us for us to come to fall in love with you. That eventually over time, through journeying you, through walking you, through failures, through you rescuing us, we're going to learn, Lord, that you can be trusted with all of our lives. And it doesn't matter where we are on this journey. There's always something new that you're opening up my eyes to and every believer to of areas where we thought we trusted you fully, but we're holding on to something. And I pray today, Lord, our eyes would be open and we would really wrestle with laying that at your feet because there is such freedom. There's such peace that comes from it. And you have so much more in store for us. When we can have an open hand, instead of a clenched fist. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus with your life, you've prayed about it at times, but you never really believed it. You never really believed that God could love you, could care for you. And so therefore you keep trying to write the story on your own and you keep hurting yourself, and keep hurting everyone around you. And today is the day you said, I had enough. Today is the day I'm really gonna trust him. I'm really going to give my life over to him. I would love to lead you in a prayer. And I want to tell you, there's nothing magical in these words. You can do this at home, on your own. You can do it in your time with him. But if you want to say it today, I just want to lead you through it. All you got to say just quietly by yourself is, God, I'm trusting you today. I'm giving you it my all. I don't even know completely what that means, but I know that I can't keep trying to, to write my own story. I want to see what you have in store for me. I trust that Jesus paid for all the hurt that I've done and all the hurt that I will do. I'm, I'm accepting his gift and I'm going to call you Lord. If that's you today, I'd love to just pray for you real quick. You should be bold enough just to raise your hand and say, that's me. Thank you in the back. Thank you up here. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing here, the hands that are coming up. And I pray everyone that is raising a hand today, Lord, would know that this is something that's happened. Even though they may not feel it, they are changed. And Lord, they could share this with somebody who will celebrate with them and they can come back next week and they can be encouraged and they can find community who will help build them up and walk along beside them, Lord. Because Lord, we celebrate with you because you're celebrating today. Lord, thank you for giving us the gift to choose to love you. 
Now we, may we go out and choose to be your example to the rest of the world, just how good you are. In your son's holy name, I pray. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.